Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to episode two of Laps Gamer Radio's Game of the Year 2017 show. In this show, we're going to be covering a bit of our feedback, our disappointments, and, of course, our number ones. If you've not listened to episode one, what are you doing here? Are you lost? Is there anybody looking after you? Or have you just taken leave of your senses? Go back and listen to that episode first, and this might make a little bit more sense. Go on, we'll wait. Right, moving straight on then, let's rifle through our virtual mailbag and see what some of our listeners have got as their top fives. Rich M. Idiot, at Richard M. Idiot on Twitter, um, said, It's a tough one, but I'm going to say Mario Odyssey. Mike at TestTube27 tweeted a video clip of what we're guessing looks like Horizon Zero Dawn. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing Mike, it was probably porn. (laughs) Lee Scoville, who obviously has great taste with the uh, Carpenter referencing handle Porkchop Excess, has given us five on his list, uh, but that's subject to change, so he's still forming his list. The order may change, others may hijack my top five, but right now they are, starting from the bottom, is What Remains of Edith Finch, Horizon Zero Dawn, Super Mario Odyssey, Persona 5, and Near Automata. Past and possibly future guest Stevie Patmore, at Stevie Patamon on Twitter says, Oh man, this is going to be a fun list to put together. Got to wait a couple of weeks, though, to play A Hat in Time and Finding Paradise when they come out. Uh, so maybe we'll get Stevie's gargantuan list at some point next year. Of <laughs> he can have his own episode. His top 50 <laughs> <Yeah>. games. <laughs> Nick Case from My Neck of the Woods and goes by the Twitter non plume of At Haunted Crime says, in no particular order, Persona 5, Horizon Zero Dawn, that's another shout for that one, Inside, and Stardew Valley, what a shocker, <laughs> and also Lego Dimensions, Whee. and you know it makes sense. <laughs> Our oldest living fan, Colin Sheridan, at Solemn67 <laughs> on Twitter from the Last Save Loaded podcast, although he'd have you believe he hosts this podcast if you ever listen to their album. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's managed to wade through quite a lot this year. Here are his favourites. In at number five, Resident Evil 7. Number four, he's only up to Mass Effect 2. Uh, three <laughs> is Mario Odyssey. Two is Zelda Breath of the Wild. And number one is Skyforce Anniversary. Something a bit different there. I mean, I guess you guys are doing your uh, Year of Shame next year, so your future Year of Shame co-host oh. and friend of the show, Gav Irwin, or at Kaya Soze Too Big has a new shortlist. Uh, his is number two, Mafia 3. The soundtrack alone is outstanding and getting to deal in a single-player game is outstanding. And his number one is Grand Theft Auto Online. It's the only game he's played online all year. <laughs> all last four years, I think. <laughs> <laughs> At Tainted Shirt tweeted, played Wolfenstein, New Order and Old Blood, both great FPSs, currently enjoying the heck out of Shadow of Mordor. Still playing Skyrim Special Edition, all great, but if you had to pick one, he's picked Shadow of Mordor. The gameplay and combat are excellent. Finally, my good friend Don Johnson at Indiana747 has managed to get a 10 together, despite the fact that it will probably change before the time we finish recording this episode, let alone by the time it goes out. So here's top 10 from 10 to 1. Next Machina, which is a fantastic game, Near Automata, Call of Duty World War II, The Surge, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, Prey, Horizon Zero Dawn, Resident Evil 7, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, and Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus. 
Quickly moving on then to our honourable mentions. These are the games that we feel just didn't quite make the grade as far as our 10, but deserve some love anyway. So take it away, Adam. So my first one's Arms on the Switch. Oh, yeah. Really unexpectedly, really good 2v2 uh, fighter game. Yeah. A lot of fun. We played some online when it first came out and had a lot of fun. It kind of has this crazy mode where it just throws you in with a bunch of randoms and just flings you from match to match kind of thing. Really good fun. Uh, next up, I have Destiny 2. A bit like how Division snuck into my top 10 last year. Destiny kind of does just by the fact that I spent so much time playing it. I don't think I'm ever going to play the raids. I'm not good enough. But I got what I wanted out of it. And Football Manager 17 also gets an honourable mention because it's managed to get its claws back into me. <laughs> uh, it, went on, it went on sale when 18 came out. So bought it, downloaded an update that updates all the players to this season. And I've been hooked ever since... Um, so yeah, I've gone back to the old days of sitting watching TV with laptop on lap playing Football Manager. Um, and then one <laughs> last one, it's already been talked about, but Mario and Rabbids is a really good game. And that's it for me. My honourable mentions in no particular order. Return to Arkham Asylum. I love those games anyway. I think it was towards the end of last year they did the, the remastered of Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. And it's just really, really enjoyable to get back into it. They've done a good job at upgrading them to what was like HD, but obviously now we're all going to 4k and stuff but yeah really really good uh, and it's nice to get all the trophies again because i've not done it on the, the ps4 so why not um so done one and started city but it's just you know worth mentioning like adam uh, a little bit uh, i've got destiny 2 as well really really enjoyed it and thrashed the shit off it uh, when it first came out and then i've managed to kind of do the raid and get all but a warlock up to the highest level not bothered with any of the uh, some or some of the PvP stuff, but there's just not quite enough end game content just yet. So just kind of dropped it for well until the next DLC comes out, uh, which is a little bit disappointing. But when it came out, it's loads of fun. Played it for hours, but it's just not enough there to, to kind of warrant it being in the top 10. I think if, it, if I was still playing it today. Have you got the platinum yet? No, because I've not done uh, <laughs> Trials of the Nine. What a scrub. <laughs> oh. Mark's just going into smug mode now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll get it at some point just to cheer up, Mark. But yeah, just not done the trials and nine stuff. Um, it's quite an easy platinum to get, to be fair. Yeah. If you tick all the boxes, pretty much. Splatoon 2, loads of fun. It's not quite snuck into my top 10 just because, again, I've just not had time to play it. But it is, is loads and loads of fun. Uh, and the same with Mario Kart Deluxe for, for some of you guys on the podcast that have played both of these on the Wii U. Um, mm. you've waxed lyrical about them and they were instant buys for me on the Switch just not had enough time to put into them or there are other games that have just picked them out of my top 10 but all, all the games are, are really really good hence honourable mentions yeah it snuck into my top 10 but only just but it's just because it's basically an upgrade mm. anybody that's played Mario Kart 8 you know exactly what you're getting anyway yeah yeah. Mine, um, well, the best part of Borderlands 2 was Tiny Tina's Assault and Dragon Keep. Bit of DLC for Borderlands 2. Highly, highly recommended if you're somewhere close to around level 30. Otherwise, if you're not, don't bother. <laughs> the rest of the game's shit. <laughs> Assassin's Creed Syndicate, fun and games in London. Assassin's Creed Formula, along with Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Honorable mentions, fun and, fun and games in the Caribbean. Very different games, but still got the Assassin's Creed stabby stabby <laughs> um, sneak sneak themes going the other one Kills on Shadowfall absolutely stunning game from the launch mm. of the PS4 frustrating at times it's the FPS that has got a very different feel from any other FPS 
So it's very different from your CODs and battlefields and so on. Best kill zone game out. Uh, yeah, I'd say maybe just equal to the Vita one. And the final one is Never Alone, which was one of our playlist games of the mm. year. Fascinating history. The um, people, um, very strong platforming, a lot of fun. Beautiful sound design on that as well, isn't there? Yeah. It just it makes you feel the, cold. <laughs> yeah, and the videos, loving for yeah. the fun game. Just missed out. My honourables are Lego Ninjago. Obviously, there's bound to be a Lego game in here somewhere. Basically, because they've changed it up just enough and they've made a Lego franchise very enjoyable for one that I'd known nothing about at all. A straightforward Lego game, I suppose, to a certain extent, and it does all the things it needs to do. Life is Strange, which I completed this summer, and I actually platinumed, which is, again, quite a, a feat for me. Just <laughs> 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 An enjoyable story. Very easy to sit down and watch and enjoy. I think it's the end of episode two, isn't it, where it all just goes a bit tits? Uh, yeah, either two or three, yeah. Yeah, and it just takes a very dark turn yeah. and uh, really unpredictable plot twists and just enough to keep you hooked. A lot better than the Telltale game could be. And yet it still uses the same kind of format, I suppose. Mm. And the last of my honourable mentions really would be Persona 5. I'm struggling with it because I've got the same complaint as Ali. I just don't have enough time. I think that's been a common complaint with all of us this year. Mm. Now, whether that's because we've just had a phenomenal year, I don't know. Because to me, 2017 looks like it's shaping up to be a vintage year. Yeah, I think, like we mentioned earlier, I think it's just because of the size of some of the games. Yeah, I mean, yeah. most of us have probably put, what, at least 30 hours-ish into Zelda, Yeah, maybe. Might be going at a least, bit extreme yeah. there. Um, no, no, and you you barely scratching the surface with a lot of the side quests. Same with mm. Horizon Zero Dawn. That's probably what a fifteen hour game mark, something like that. Mm, really closer to thirty, I'd say, if you do all yeah. the side content. Plus any other games that have come out that are massive RPG games or just your, your usual games, and it starts to add up. And there's a lot of big hitters in terms of value for money. Um, Definitely, you, you know, you, you spend near enough fifty quid on a game these days, but you're getting sometimes close to 100 hours worth of gameplay, including all the DLC and whatnot. You can't go wrong. <laughs> That's it. But the thing is, they've been coming out at such a decent rate as well this year. You know, you um, like uh, Matt was saying me Horizon Zero Dawn on last episode about it coming out a week before the Switch. Mm. It's just like ridiculous. You know, <laughs> you got a, a massive platform seller there. And then the week later, another massive platform seller with Zelda. Yeah. It's just been a phenomenal year. So even though we've probably only mentioned some of these on our, what would be in our top 10 any other year, you know, it's, it just shows what kind of a quality year we've had. So yeah, Persona 5, I wish I could have played more of it. I've kind of put it down and never picked it back up again. That's not to say that it's a bad game. That's just because I've got swamped with other games. Mm. Yeah, I've still got my PS3 copy sealed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's why I'm taking a year off next year and doing a year of shame because I think I could probably spend about half of it just playing Persona 5. Oh, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) My first honourable mention is Gran Turismo Sport. I'm having a a hell of a lot of fun with this game, but I can't really include it in a top 10 i used any excuse to drop games out of the top 10 because it was getting too hard to put it together because it's not yet finished game um (laughs) 
there's updates coming for the next six months to fill out what will eventually be the full version of Gran Turismo Sport. But I put it in my mentions because it's the first game that's really introduced me into like serious online sim racing. Before then, I, you know, the only sim racing experience I'd got is is playing against computers. I'd never done like online racing in that sort of game before, and uh, it's just it's great. It's absolutely great. The emphasis on like racing cleanly rather than you know everyone plowing into the back of everybody else on the corners and not getting any penalties for it has just made it far more enjoyable i'm still yet to win an online race and i don't care i'm just having so much fun with it uh, my next honorable mention final fantasy 14 a realm reborn because it is the first time that i've actually gotten into a proper mmorpg and stuck with it for more than half an hour <laughs> i tried the old republic i tried world of warcraft i've tried a couple of other ones and they just haven't stuck uh, final fantasy 14 just kind of clicked with me i think it's probably more accessible than some of those other ones and less of a burden on your time than some of those other ones which helps a lot i haven't played it in a while unfortunately i need to go back to it because i'm paying a subscription for it <laughs> my uh, next one is also arms i just echo what adam said about it it is it's a fantastic little fighting game it's kind of a bit like smash brothers in that Anyone mm-hmm. can play it, but there is a surprising yep. amount of depth in there as well. And once you start getting into like the ranked mode, you realize that, oh, oh, okay, right. There is, there's like little techniques and there's, there's a meta and it's like a proper fighting game. But it's just, even if you don't want to get into that, you can just jump into the party lobbies and it's just really, really good fun. They're just throwing um, content at you as well for free, aren't they now? Yeah. Uh, there's new yeah. characters Just like up. with, um, with Splatoon, uh, mm-hmm. same deal. Uh, that's getting new weapons and new maps and stuff like that. Yeah, ARMS is just chucking new uh, arenas and new yep. characters at you and always an excuse to go back. Fantastic little game. And my final honourable mention is Assassin's Creed Origins, which I haven't finished, so I can't include in my lists properly, but I want to give it a mention because uh, despite still having some problems... It is a massive advance on what the Assassin's Creed formula had become. It had become basically the same game in a different setting with a few little tweaks here and there. They hadn't really done much to advance the game at all in years because they were plowing them out every single year. Taking the year off has definitely helped. Moving to this vast open world, slightly more RPG mechanics, changing up the combat adding in like a loot system, getting rid of the map full of pointless collectibles. (laughs) It's just almost every change they've made has been for the better. And I'm really, really enjoying my time with it. I can't wait to finish the story and get into the end game because yeah, this is an Assassin's Creed that has like post-game content, like a real RPG. It's not without its faults. I'm still finding bugs. It's a Ubisoft game, so of course there's going to be bugs. <laughs> uh, and there have been a few moments that have annoyed the piss out of me. But overall, I think it's just like they've made good on almost everything that was getting tiring uh, about that series. Have you tried the museum mode yet? A museum mode? You know, where they just walk around and it tells you things like a museum. Yeah, history mode. Ah, whatever. Uh, no, I haven't. No, <laughs> no. But I tell you what, like that's one of the things that I'm liking so much about it is that the, the setting is during a really interesting part of ancient Egypt's history where it's kind of like 
still a bloody long time ago. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking like 60 to 40, something like that, BC. But it's the time that you're playing as is still closer to the present day than when the pyramids were built. So ancient Egypt is still ancient history in ancient Egypt. If yeah. You know what I'm saying. So it's, it's, and there's like, yeah, there's weird cultural things going on with Greek culture creeping in and whatnot. And it's just really, really interesting. It's kind of got me reading quite a little bit about that period of ancient Egypt. So yeah, I might have to check this museum mode out. I should have painted in that. Yes. <laughs> My honourable mentions for this year, I'll start with Burly Men at Sea. I still think that sounds like a porn game. I'm sorry, <laughs> Stu, but... <laughs> There's so many jokes oh, and dear. to be made for that. Absolutely. Um, it's I spoke about it about a handful of shows ago, and it's just a fantastic... It's a lovely little game. Not a huge amount of replayability, but it's the sort of game you could play a little bit of, do a little run through and then just forget about it for a couple of months and come back to it. Playing it in that style is, I think, would produce more potentially sort of memorable um, story scenarios and what have you, but yeah, just fantastic. <laughs> uh, the next one then is Frame 2, um, which was released this year. It's the sequel, obviously, to Framed um, on mobile devices. A very clever little sort of puzzle game, almost based on sort of sliding puzzles and what have you, but in a comic style in that you are moving sort of little frames of a uh, comic page around so that your detective or the characters that you are sort of trying to map the path out for um, to avoid any obstacles and things like that, get to escape off that page and then onto the next one with a little narrative running through it as well. Just fantastic. Next one is Leave Oma, which again, Adam and I have talked about before. Just a stunning little indie game. It's There's no pretense behind it. You just go in and experience it and it's just fantastic absolutely worth having a go at do you want to say anything about it no no very like emotional game it kind of gets you thinking about death and stuff and families it's mm-hmm. yeah it's a lovely game some really yep. like very subtle like well written dialogue mm-hmm. next one is Pony Island it's oh it's a real sort of head melter of a game it's Go in blind. I'm not even <laughs> going to say anything more about it. Just go in absolutely blind to it. So it is as mad as Boy says. Then with the title Pony Island, what else could it be? It's just got to be insane. It's yeah. It's <laughs> not what you think it is, even from the title. It is yeah. It's just a fantastic piece of whatever it is. <laughs> go in Fair blind. Enough. It's couple of pounds go and have a go at it downloading now yeah my last one then is it's an actual vr title i have been playing little bits and pieces and um i recently picked up augmented empire which i had played at egx that's fantastic Uh, yeah um so i I really enjoyed that i am looking forward to that um for next year but by the same company coat sync is a night sky which is just a fantastic like a beginner's guide to what you can do with VR um, as an experience. You basically, you have a little seat, you're overlooking a really nice valley, there's a little campfire and everything to the side of you, and you look up at the stars, and just by looking up at the stars, you then sort of match up lines to the next star and what have you, and so each of the star formations um, turn into a little picture. Once you've completed a little picture, then something actually happens in the environment. So you might draw out a dragon's head uh, using the stars, and suddenly this dragon is just sort of roaring around uh, the valley. And there's another one where it's uh, a butterfly, and then just sort of a cloud of butterflies just sort of envelop you and sort of fly around you and everything. 
absolutely stunning um, as a little VR experience. It is a little bit more interactive, and throughout the entire year, CodeSync have released, I think it's about five or six little content packs now, um, which can all be bought as a bundle for, uh, it's maybe half price at the minute, so about £3, so I think the bundle in itself is maybe 6 um, I showed it to my mum and dad, who are uh, sort of in their late 50s now, and they just immediately got it and were just so impressed by it. So if you have a Gear VR, it is absolutely worth having a look at, as is Augmented Empire, um, which is just fantastic. So that's my honourable mentions. That's all the good stuff out of the way. Now let's talk a bit about the evil. Our disappointments of the year... 2017 has been a brilliant year, but it's also had its fair share of cock-ups and letdowns. Kick off with us, Adam. Go on then. Jackbox Party Pack 4. Loved the other three. Think they finally ran out of good ideas. Nothing much in there, unfortunately. I've not really enjoyed it at all. Barely played it. Was it 3 that we played? 3 is the one that we've played a lot of online, yeah, with the murder trivia party. I think 3 was the high point. There's not a single game in this new one that hits the highs of um, murder trivia party. There's nothing as good or as clever as that. They've kind of gone back to the well, like Fibbage came back for another version. The version of the drawing this time around isn't as good as the t-shirt one is. In three. Yeah. So, yeah, a bit disappointing, really. Oh, dear. Next on my list is Prey. So, I love, like, I guess they call them immersive sims, like Bioshock and things like that. So, shooters that have, like, these RPG mechanics built on them. Couldn't get into Prey. I'm barely into it. Even tried, it's really hard. Even tried knocking it down to easy, and I'm still just not feeling it particularly much. Um, so, yeah, a bit disappointed with that one. Next one, Mass Effect Andromeda. Mm. There's a lot of good things in it, but as a whole... I forgot that existed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some of the best writings in the side content and stuff, like things... But the actual main plot is boring, the main characters are boring. It has a amazing ending that it completely doesn't deserve and doesn't earn. Blood racing, like, great ending, just doesn't deserve it. And then my last disappointment is FIFA 18. I've bought FIFA every single year since maybe 12 or 11 and this <laughs> what is the makes first, this different this is the first year i didn't buy it because their scripting and stuff has just people have always accused them of scripting and said the game's full of scripting moments um it chooses when it wants you to score like there's all videos on youtube of like people having shots and it going through the keeper's hands and stuff because when they want mm. the excitement to i feel like this version has hit like the peak of utter bullshit um, <laughs> they also seem to have ra- like ea bad for pay for win stuff they seem to have ramped up the quality of like the better players in ultimate team mode you can play it by not spending a penny by just using the coins to buy players and stuff but they've ramped up like how good the top top players are so if you're pouring a bunch of money into it or even illegal coin selling and you're getting those better players it just doesn't make it fun to play online when I'm pissing about with like Portsmouth players trying to fit them <laughs> in my team. It just takes all the enjoyment out of it. Yeah. They changed something about the defending that I don't really like. And in, I've recently picked up Pro Evo 2018. And by comparison, the game's so much more responsive, so much more like free form. I'm just kind of over FIFA. Um, so this year it's all about football manager and pro evo for me because um, yeah i'm finally done with fifa that's a shocker 
Ali, there's got to be something that's pissed you off this year. Huh, really? What makes you say that? <laughs> <laughs> it's only two games really on my list. I think it was this year. Uh, Troll and I. Oh, yeah. It had yeah. the potential of being really yeah. good, but... I couldn't get past the first intro bit because <laughs> it was bugged, which is mm. a, a massive disappointment because I was looking forward to playing that, especially supporting an indie game, indie mm. dev, and sent me a review copy of it and I couldn't play it. Granted, I've not given it justice to go back to it and try the updates and that. I don't know how much work they've put onto it. Stu, you might know more than I do. There's been a couple of little sort of things that there hasn't been anything for oh, a good couple of months now and what have you. Now, I did get past the scene that you were talking about. Um, it's basically a series of quick time events as you're running away from uh, mm. like a burning village or whatever. But yeah, I was starting, I got a little bit stuck on that, um, but thankfully... Either the version that I have um, on the PC, I know you're playing on PS4, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, didn't bug out on me, uh, maybe quite as much as you did on you, but yes, it definitely was a little bit sticky, and for that to get past sort of quality assurance or playtesting or whatever does seem um, yeah. bizarre. Because we're not being picky <laughs> either, I mean, for me, it was literally 10, 20 minutes into the game, a quick time event of jumping over logs mm. and under logs and different things, and no matter what mm. I did... I couldn't jump over the last log and not burn a life. And it's like, oh, I've gone over it. And then, oh, no, you're caught on fire. And I'm like, how? (laughs) To the point I just went, right, uninstall. You know, I need the space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I played a little bit more of it. It, Again, it just doesn't feel as nice as it did whenever Kev and I played played it in co-op at EGX uh, last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It was stunning looking then and what have you, and seemed to play sort of fairly well. But I don't know, something was just missing from it um, on the sort of the final release for whatever reason. I will maybe go back to it at some stage, um, just have another play at it, because I enjoyed it once I actually got into it, but it just felt a little bit unpolished or unfinished um, with a lot of sort of rough edges to it. Yeah, definitely. And finally, which may or may not come as a shock, uh, because I've waxed about this before, and that will be Forza Motorsport 7. Um, what? Yeah. And unless you're doing a private lobby, it's fine. So I'm still doing some racing on it, but the single player part of it, which is kind of multiplayer as well, so like the leaderboard stuff, just isn't there. They've stripped oh. so much stuff out of that game. It's unbelievable to the fact that I used to love just, I love my racing games, as you all know, and just mm. going into like, right, I'm going to build an A-class car and just see where it lands up on the on the leaderboards. Um, and I used to put it on my YouTube channel and this is the build I've done for this. Go and try it out for yourselves. But there's none of those leaderboards there. There's no, they're there, but they're not. And they've put loot crates in, but you can't buy it with money and you get less money in the game. And I have no idea what they were smoking when they started developing this game, <laughs> but they were definitely smoking something or on something. And they've just <laughs> it. It's the only way to put it. There's still issues with multiplayer. Some people I've seen, it's quite a big community for it. And I'm part of that community. And, there's a lot of people that are on online games and they just suddenly get booted off for no reason whatsoever. And a few people, when I've been racing, um, I'm on a on a forum doing some racing every other Sunday, and you just people just randomly just completely drop connection to the to the lobby, uh, which isn't great when you're trying to have a bit of fun and do your own little leagues and and whatnot. And it's been a massive disappointment. It's always the one thing I kind of buy every year without fail since for probably the first motorsport really. Um, but in the last few years, especially on the Xbox One, I've been there to buy it and it's just a massive disappointment. Hopefully they can fix it. There's, a, I think, a patch and a new car pack coming out in December. So we'll see what happens uh, when that comes out. 
big disappointment for me because I really enjoy those games and it's a game that's normally in my top 10 and this year it's not even in my honourable mentions. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked. I am shocked. <laughs> I never thought I'd ever hear you talk about Forza in a negative way ever. Yeah, well. Wow. Yeah, sucks to be them. They must have really dropped the ball. Yeah, it has to happen at some point with these yearly franchises. They can't keep it up and they follow the trends and eventually there's something that pisses everybody <laughs> off. Yeah. God, yeah. This, is, mean, this is a major upset tonight. <laughs> I mean, with, with the yearly franchises and obviously Forza technically is bi-yearly, whatever. Yeah, because they um, rotate it, yeah. I just don't understand why they strip some of the basic things out of a game, like the leaderboards. Oh, yeah, let's just take them mm. out. And it's like, what? Uh, I don't know. Thankfully, there's no microtransactions in it. <laughs> uh, Andy? First of all was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the PS4 by Platinum Games. I think it was the most disappointing because Platinum Games did the excellent Transformers game. Yep. And they are a studio with a good reputation. They did near Automata. They've done Vanquish. They've done Bayonetta. Transformers, of course. And they came out with this, and it was just a poorly designed game. Poor gameplay, poor graphics, poor... Uh, just... So it seems like the Platinum Janitor spewed out onto a disc. <coughs> so <laughs> that's not one of those that I can recommend. The other one was uh, Far Cry Primal. Really, really quite like the looks of this when it first was released. Kept me eye on it. Picked it up this year and played it and was absolutely dying of boredom. Seriously, you take it back to cave prehistoric times and you produce a game like this. You've got to be ashamed, ashamed of yourself, Ubisoft, <laughs> because... Um, you haven't got this chance to do all these wondrous creatures. All right, we've got a saber tooth, we've got a, we've got a mammoth, and then you put deer in. <laughs> mm, <on>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just seemed they just took a Far Cry engine and just went, oh, all these are right. What can we do to change a few bits of dots of code, take it from, I think, Tibet to make it look a bit prehistoric times, and we'll just whack a few tribes in and... Story-wise, it was dull. Gameplay, it was dull. And then I played about four hours, which was four hours too much, and I'll never get that time back. <laughs> Kev? Well, my biggest disappointment, unfortunately, I do not want to be one of these people that bashes EA, but my God, this company seems to just be able to pick up a brilliant property and then throw it on the floor and smash it up and then jump up and down repeatedly and laughing in your face. <laughs> it is The Sims 4. Oh, yeah. Wow, console the hell? Right, now this is a game that's been running now for, what, 15, nearly 20 years? I don't know. You can run it on a laptop that's about 15 years old for a start-off, and it'll still run fine. So why the hell have they managed to cock it up on a PS4 that's pretty much tweaked exactly as you'd want it to be? It baffles me that you can have a game where... It's pretty much you need that cursor to be there on the screen and then sometimes that cursor will just disappear for no reason and you will be sat waiting for your sim to either die or go to work or, well, just die, actually, and then hopefully the cursor will turn back up. There's just some bizarre bugs in it, and you think, good grief, you've had so much practice at playing sims, building sims games building additional content for Sims games. Don't even start me on that. There's a ton of additional content for this one. 
they've basically put a really vanilla version of this game out. Yeah, so The Sims 4, it should have been and could have been a really, really enjoyable game. I loved The Sims 3. I put my hands up. I am one of them weirdos that would play that and burn people in the toilet they couldn't get out of. <laughs> but yeah, there's no massive upgrade on it. So I just can't see it. I cannot see why they've released a broken game. You know, that is basically the same game they've been running out for the last God knows how many times. So, yeah, The Sims 4, forget it. I've still got it, but I'll probably pick it up again, I don't know, 12, 18 months down the line and wait for the 50 gig update to come in that fixes all the bugs that are in it at the minute. Oh, man. Disappointments of the year. So many. Too many to name. EA killing off Amy Hennig's single-player Star Wars game. Um, yep. EA taking a massive steaming dump on Star Wars Battlefront. <laughs> Warner Brothers taking a massive steaming dump on Middle Earth. Latest news is EA have taken a massive steaming dump on UFC. Basically, loot boxes have ruined gaming in the mm-hmm. AAA sphere, unfortunately, uh, for a, lo- a lot of these big publishers. EA have pushed it further than I think they thought they could get away with, and there's possibly going to be some repercussions, but still, it's been really shitty. But this year's biggest disappointment by far is uh, Mark Robert Mustafeli's Beardsley Hamer for not finishing anywhere near enough games. <laughs> I've got so many, like, like, oh God, just thinking of some of the games that came out this year that I haven't finished uh, Persona 5 near Automata. Uh, yeah. Doom was last year, but I haven't finished that one. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 2, Yakuza 0. Uh, yeah. I, the, the list could go on for... There's so many games sat in my pile of shame now, it's terrible. And welcome to my world. That's my day every day. <laughs> and some of these, these are games that I, if I'd finished would have been probably been in contention to be in my top 10 oh, list yeah. as well. Persona 5, what yep. I played, uh, like I, I sunk what, 30 hours or something like that into it uh, yeah. and loved it. I just got distracted. Well, same with Ali. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Near Automata. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts less so, but <laughs> don't let Zoe's hear that. <laughs> <laughs> near automatas turned up in so many people's end of year lists mm-hmm. you know and you think well what are you missing out on now <laughs> yeah doesn't that want to make you go back and no no maybe i, pick I, it I absolutely up? am gonna go back and pick it up i want i want to clear that i want to clear persona 5 i want to clear doom i dare you i want to clear yakuza zero i do too yeah so yeah this year's biggest disappointment is me <laughs> <laughs> My biggest disappointments of the year. Um, I honestly can't think of many other than my bizarre habit of playing terrible clicker games. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually just flicking through my list of games played this year and I came across at least a couple of other ones. There's like some sort of, um, there was the office space idle profits, which is terrible. There's WWE tap mania. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the, there's the other WWE game, um, Champions, which was basically a match three game, um, which was, yeah, just terrible. terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a pattern emerging. There is, yeah. There was a, another zombie based clicker game that, yeah, it was terrible. Um, <laughs> yes. I seem to pick really bad, awful mobile games. At least they're free, so I'm not spending any money on them. But yeah, they do get installed and uninstalled fairly quickly, so that I, 
Yeah, it's it's been a weird year, so it has. I think a lot of it, generally sort of from the perspective of the industry and what have you, there is an awful lot of backlash against some of the bigger companies doing what they do, basically for profit or for the benefit of their shareholders, but not necessarily looking at the trends going on in gaming. Um, they It almost feels as if they're trying to create them rather than actually going with them. Uh, the fact that EA turned around with their loot boxes and basically said, yeah, we decided to go down this way because nobody is, well, and also shutting down the other Star Wars game, hmm. is that nobody is interested in a single-player linear narrative game. And just, they're obviously completely disregarding nearly everything that is coming out in the indie market, uh, which is exactly that. It's you know reasonably short single player um, narrative games that are doing particularly well they're getting um, loads of plaudits and everything and they just seem to be completely missing this another thing that's sort of coming out is the fact that you know they're trying to make the profits back on games that they are technically selling for an awful lot less than they took to make and yes you know you could argue that okay people are paying 60 pounds or whatever for a game but like back in the 90s, you were paying about 60 quid for a cartridge um, or more. And with inflation, that's probably an awful lot more. Games now are probably cheaper than they've ever been with inflation taken into consideration. But the budgets on those games are an awful lot more than they ever were. And it is just the, the AAA developers and what have you trying to make absolutely massive games to make a massive profit. But it's not really working for them, and it's destroying game studios. Um, you only have to look at EA and the amount of studios that they have burnt through, generally um, through their lifespan. But even just this year, um, they have shut down a handful of things. You know, even Squeenix mm. have basically cut ties with um, their Montreal studio IO as yeah. well. You know, luckily they managed to get the Hitman license. Um, rested from Squeenix and what have you and obviously are now going to be producing new content and things like that but even just talking to sort of the, some of the developers and things that we've had on during the year for all the amount of games that come out and on Steam you're looking at 200-ish a week talk to some of the mobile developers and you're looking at you know 500 odd per day it's ridiculously hard to make a living being a game developer as much as people try and aspire to it it really is trying to catch lightning in a bottle for people to make a success of it, but even trying to just get their games seen by enough people to generate enough interest in it before it just gets sucked down into the quagmire of everything else that is out there. And yeah, you know, 2017 has been an absolutely vintage year um, for the amount of ridiculously well-regarded games that come out, but the amount of other stuff that has come out that just hasn't got seen by anybody um it's just it's just really hard i think for the developers and an awful lot of people are they're losing jobs they're giving up gaming development and things like that but these are the people that we really should be supporting because they're the ones who are actually producing unique experiences that we're just not getting from the big studios yeah no 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 you're wrong people want games as services that's all they want <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'd like to see some of the platform owners People like Steam, Itcher aren't too bad. Just trying a little bit harder to help sort of the visibility of the different games and things like that. Because the creation method or whatever that's on Steam at the minute, it just isn't geared up for the amount of games that are coming out on it. 
and it's as soon as you know a game's released, if you're lucky enough to get it onto the sort of the new releases list, in a couple of days it's gone again, and yeah. you know nobody's seeing the games, um, which is and the amount of developers I see on Twitter just sort of crying out for people to go on and review games on Steam or other platforms, you know, on app stores and things like that, yeah, just purely because it raises the visibility of those, and it's something that as much as we do the reviews and things on the websites. If you don't have a website or a blog, please leave a review for these games if you enjoyed it. That's all we can ask um, because it helps everybody. You know, it helps the developers actually see the responses to the games. It helps other people see the games because there'll be, you know, increased visibility or whatever. Even going on to things like Twitter, trying to find the developers that you have played um, games of theirs and enjoyed, say thank you to them. Um, because they do appreciate it and uh, a lot of the time they will actually come back to you and actually have a little bit of interaction and everything with you mm. so yeah i think just generally my disappointment for the year has been my crippling addiction to <laughs> clicker games <laughs> and just the general sort of state of the the gaming industry at the minute uh, there's an awful lot of people out there making some fantastic stuff but you need to go and find it number one my number one and I also share it with Mark, mm-hmm. is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Came pretty early in the year, and for me, nothing as great as this year has been. Nothing topped it. Again, talked about earlier about subverting expectations. This is a Zelda game that took a lot of what we knew about Zelda and just left it on the scrap heap and kind of didn't go with it. Every Zelda's always had the same thing of the progression through a fixed order of dungeons, mm-hmm. or semi-fixed order of dungeons, new items unlocking new areas of the map then subsequently helping you unlock new dungeons and then those dungeons you only get so far in them without finding a new item to then unlock like the second half of the dungeon this completely gets rid of that you pretty much have all your abilities from very very early on yeah and they're all made by like a magic tablet that lets you throw bombs you can use magnets things like that and then all the structures completely changed. You could go straight to the end boss, and if you're good enough, you could beat that pretty early on. You could beat it in, like, this speedrun's doing it in, like, less than an hour now. Mm. But the main structure of the game is you doing these tiny shrines that all are based around the limited ability set you have, but using them in new and interesting ways. Again, completely optional. Um, Yep. Yeah. And all they do is give you upgrades, which you go and trade in for hearts or stamina, basically. Um, and then there's four, like, bigger dungeons that are based around these animal things. Um, it's a little bit anime, kind of. They're almost like Power Rangers robots, sort of. Um, and you go inside of them, and they're all really clever puzzles that have you uh, manipulating the environment. So manipulating, like, the outside of that big structure to change things inside to like how you navigate around them they're all pretty clever beautiful looking game as well i played it on wii u originally and i've subsequently picked it up on switch as well and i'm like part of the way through playing it on switch again brilliant game like i spent 95 hours on it i think (laughs) not even not even scratch the surface i still have hundreds of shrines it's absolutely hundreds of Korok seeds for you to pick up. Yep. Um, but a brilliant game. Very um, doesn't have as much plot as other Zelda's have had, but what's in there is super interesting. And there's a bunch of 
hints that hint to where it falls in like the Zelda timeline, which for somebody like me, who's like Zelda's my one big franchise that I've followed for a long time, mm. it's super interesting to see ways they slip other bits of old Zelda games in there. Mm. And I'm looking forward to the DLC that's coming pretty soon, from what I understand. That adds a bit more plot from before the war that kind of kicks off the game. It's that uh, amazing combination of like taking your familiar movement, combat, and everything from, from Zelda games and then putting it in a truly open world. Like so many games uh, you see um, being announced at press conference or whatnot saying like, oh, you can go anywhere in the world. And it's like, no, you can't. Hmm. There's invisible walls. Yeah. There's things you can't do. And it's like, uh, you can go anywhere in the world of Breath of the Wild. Uh, you're limited only by your stamina uh, and your equipment and mm. your ability to get there, your your patience. Um, Have you seen the speedrunners? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're insane. Yeah. Yeah, you know that, that's insane that you can actually do that. Yeah. You can just walk straight mm-hmm. from go and finish that's the game. The thing, um, <laughs> I started it up again recently because I wanted to play through on master mode, which is like the ultra difficult version of uh, difficulty they put out with the first DLC. And once I did finally manage to get myself off um, the plateau at the beginning. Mm-hmm. By the way, if anyone who's played it knows what a Lionel is, there is one on the plateau on master mode uh so when you've got like three hearts <laughs> yeah once you leave that first area which if you're playing on normally you can clear in about half an hour once you leave that area uh, the mission uh quest log mission pops up defeat ganon and that's it yeah and it's like then you have this huge giant world and you can go in any direction you want <laughs> and you're only limited like you you will run into really tough enemies and it's kind of like you're probably not supposed to be here but if you want to then you can mm. it's like nothing is yep. gated absolutely nothing is gated the only thing in your way is how much stamina you've got and stamina can be increased by doing the the shrines and going and getting in the stamina vessel or, or by eating certain meals yeah that will increase your stamina it's like they took everything that um was right about open world games and ditched all the stuff that was wrong so like climbing towers the climbing's brilliant, but like usually if you get to the top of a tower in a Far Cry game or an Assassin's Creed game or something like that, you synchronize and then tons of things will pop up on the map. And it's like, oh, great. <laughs> if you, when you open up the towers in Breath of the Wild, all it reveals is the topography. Yeah. And then if you want to look, if you have to look through your binoculars and scout out the area around the tower and manually mark things on the map, if you think it's a point of interest and go and go there and discover it it doesn't give you anything on the map Uh, i think the only thing that will ever appear on the map is a quest marker if you want but you can turn that off and i highly suggest you do yeah it's just i've spent oh nearly 100 hours i think my first playthrough in that world i got all 120 (laughs) shrines i still had a bunch of side missions to do i still like looking at the the thing that they added with the first dlc which shows you where on the map you'd been i was like there's huge areas of this map that i just haven't looked at at all (laughs) so yeah started again so i can do that but it is if it wasn't for little things like the weapon degradation system which i'm fine with but but it is a pain in it is a pain in the ass yeah but i'm kind of fine with it Mm. but if it wasn't for things like that this would probably be a perfect game um as it is it's the close it's one of the greatest games i've ever played 
and I'm still playing it. And I, I don't know, there'll ever be a day where I'm not like, oh, I should probably play a little bit more Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you take it on holiday with you as well and really hammer it there? Uh, yes. Yeah, I did. I, I, I Well, I, I took Marion Rabbids with the full intention of playing through all of that, but Zelda... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bloody hard game as well. It is, like yeah. Kev said before, it is. It's yeah. bloody hard. Like the com, you don't expect it either. Like the combat's always been pretty simplistic in Zelda mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. Been functional. It's like not the focus of those games. So it tended to be like two button simple combat. But this is bloody hard. Mm. So yeah, fair play to them for completely turning on its head and making a brilliant game. And showing Western developers how to properly do an open world game. I guarantee you in the years to come, we will see other Western developers, Ubisoft and publishers like that, bringing out open Mm. world games that crib heavily from Breath of the Wild. Guarantee it. Not just that, but just showing everybody else how to make a launch title yes yeah true <laughs> every yeah. platform you've you've ever known it's always had some real dog turds in there but this one day one you've got an absolute classic straight away Damn. what are you talking about the playstation 4 had knack <laughs> <laughs> and killzone, and killzone. Yeah. fair enough <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah a uh, breath of the wild is is a masterpiece my game of the year is Final Fantasy XV. Uh, it's a game that released towards the end of last year. It was on my game of the year list last year. I'm going to say, I think it's Nook and Team Marks. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah um, with only, what, a month? A week? Uh, if that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was a, a, a something that was on my Christmas present list, because I still have one of them. <laughs> and I think it's my wife or my mother-in-law picked it up for me, put it in and played it a fair amount and then absolutely hammered it towards the middle of this year Mm. to the point that I've platinumed the main game. So that's that done. But there's also a lot of extra bits to it. So you've got the standalone story missions. Well, I'm not sure if they're standalone for the other characters that that buddy up with you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've got to play through all of those uh, and they're they're forever updating it with extra DLC and there's some Assassin's Creed stuff to it now. Mm -hmm. But the vanilla base game is just great. Um, it's another kind of open world-ish game. It's not fully open world. Then there are some places you can't get to until um, you get other enhancements. But uh, the, the storyline is, is really, really good. I know you've said before, Mark, that it's quite a, a hard-hitting story for yourself. Um, and, it, and it is one that you don't expect. The, the Final Fantasy games aren't always the best um, in terms of having happy, happy uh, storylines. Um, and this one doesn't surprise in that department, but it's just really, really good, enjoyable game, loads to do in it. And it's one of those games as well where you're playing it, you do the main story and then the game opens up phenomenally from there uh, with loads of dungeons to do and loads of different side quests. And although I've platinum the game and I've put a hell of a lot of time into it, there's still so much that I've not done in the game. Well, some of the achievements or trophies actually unlock as you go through the game. There's probably about five or ten towards the end that you have to actually work for if you've not done that throughout the game. But yeah, it's it's just a, a massive game and a game that's made me fall back in love with the Final Fantasy series. And it's one of those ones that's probably up there with me for eight. I know myself and Mark, uh, some of the, I would like to say rare breeds, but the more I've kind of got back into Final Fantasy 15 and listening to a few other podcasts and going on a few websites, there's a massive like underbelly love for Final Fantasy VIII and I would say it's almost suppressing seven 
possibly. Um, but yeah, just a really, really good game that I've really, really enjoyed. Uh, and that's why it's my number one. Probably not as happy as I thought it would be. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, really, really enjoyed it. And there's not a lot really I can say because I can't spoil anything for anyone. Um, but it's just one of those ones that you just keep chipping away at and, and trying to do. Uh, next on my list is Witcher 3 to get that done. But yeah, uh, I wanted to get Final Fantasy 15 done. Yeah. Final Fantasy Scrubs love Final Fantasy 7. Yeah. Proper aficionados. <laughs> we, we love Final Fantasy 8. We know it's yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, 15 uh, snuck onto my um, top five last year, uh, despite mm. the fact that I'd only played 25 hours of it so, so far at that point. And I don't regret having it on there at all. I, I remember I was actually out shopping with my other half earlier this year and I was getting frantic text messages from you saying like, the end of chapter 14, what the... <laughs> yeah. I've just finished yeah. it. What the hell happened? Oh my God. Fantastic game. I just wanted to spend more time with my beautiful boys out camping, yeah. eat, eating cup noodles and... <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I need to go back and play the the, the episodes for the um, the three companions. And then I, I think there's an episode that's going to be coming out for uh, Ardin. Oh, okay. Yeah, that Wicked. asshole. And then there's a multiplayer, the whole multiplayer element coming in as yeah, well. Yeah, not like, touch that. It is the yeah. gift that keeps on giving. Wow. And most of it's free as well. I know mm. the episodes are classed as DLC. Yeah. Um, I think the online stuff is free. I think it's standalone. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I'm not sure. It's it's still um, in like beta testing at the moment. I think. Yeah, and also they just keep updating the main game, and there's like little challenges to do um, once you've completed the game to go and kill so many of things, and you get extra points. And then there's all the little mini games that chocobo racing and all that. Mm. It's just great in the festivals and different things. It's like a an MMO, but without the multiplayer side apart yeah. from that bit that without having to bother in. with other people <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> sounds like my kind of game yeah. oh man it's so good yeah really good my number one sorry to be mentioned in Ali's earlier list but it's the first time I managed to get to grips with it and it is Lego Dimensions yeah, yeah boy Lego Dimensions <laughs> yeah High five. Same, same here. <laughs> My number one too so far I've only played through the main story and then still haven't finished that but it's I don't know. Telltale, is it Telltales? Traveller's Tales, isn't it? Traveller's Tales. Yeah, that was a bit confused, but they've got some balls, haven't they? You know, who would have thought, some mashup, who would have thought, right, what can we do? We'll get Lord of the Rings, mashed up with Batman, mashed up with a Lego movie, throwing gremlins, throwing the Ghostbusters, throwing Back to the Future, Doctor Who, and we'll have a game. And they went out, and fair credit to all these licensees, they agreed to have their properties all mashed up in Lego. Yeah. And that took some balls doing and putting it together and constructing what so far is a really fun story that makes links across a franchise takes a piss. You know, Gollum getting pissed off at the Riddler. You know <laughs> yeah, get, he's a king of riddles. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Batman on the uh, Yellow Brick Road when they first turn up uh, in yeah. Oz, you know, and uh, yeah. it's all about yeah. Scarecrow and that. and <laughs> Insane. Yeah. It is, and you know, Gandalf and Batman talking about Robin, and Gandalf's talking about a bird, and Batman's <laughs> talking about Robin and the pack. Uh, just so, there's so many, Joe. It's, it's like the developers peaked. I'm sure they've got a lot more in, but this was their own unique scripted game. You know, they weren't relying on a movie franchise and following the stories mm. of that and taking the mick out of that. This was all their own ideas, and it is amazing how it works and how it's put together and the cut scenes and it's just such a shame that it's been discontinued but 
Tyson life seems to have ended anyway. But yeah, yeah number one, it's, I tell you what, the amount of bricks available and the fact that I've only just started it probably means that this is going to be the number one game for the next 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I skipped back and listened to our top 10s for the last two years since we started Laps Gamer and was in my top 10 on our first one in 2015 it was my number two it just escaped number one then and last year it was number three it was just put back by another couple of huge releases but this year they've just really brought it all together Mm. because i looked at what i'd been playing this year and i thought yeah fair enough there's been all these amazing games that have come out this year but there's still this game there's still this game here that is still giving me more and more new experiences and still knocking it out of the park, and yeah. I've still spent more time on this game than any other game this year. There's got to be yeah. something more to it than just, you know, oh, it's a new set. No, there isn't yeah. just that. I've I've still got sets that are un- unopened, you know. And yeah, it is a phenomenal game, and like you, I've <laughs> it's, it's just like I've got to doff my cap and just go. No, this is my game of the year yeah. by a long shot. Yeah. I'm kind of in two minds. I'm kind of sad to see it go as far as they're not going to be adding the extra scenes and not going to be adding all the extra content. Um, But, you know, it ends perfectly. Your wallet's quite happy. Yep. (laughs) My missus is quite happy. Um, My daughter's picked it up and she loves it now. Um, She loves playing Powerpuff Girls. So suddenly there's the possibility that we're going to have a second save slot because she's starting to play it so suddenly it's born again if you like you know we've got a whole new uh, lease of life to it there's still plenty to do in it and like (laughs) like Callie there's got four gold bricks I'm a bit (laughs) further ahead of you I've got 400 now but good grief still nowhere near that 1019 target so I'll still be playing it next year as well and they've actually said that they'll be keeping the servers on so why not you know. I think for the, me, that just shows how little time I've put into it, why it's not higher up on my list. Because there's just yeah. so much to do. Like I say, just getting the base pack, which I know, I think, is that all you've done, Andy? Just the base, yeah. pretty much? I've, like I said, about level 9 out of 15. And playing it through with my brother as well, you know, in co op, it, it's just a lot yeah. of fun. Lego games are brilliant in co op. Yeah. Have you played the Battle Arenas, Andy? No, not yet. I've got all. Oh, I've got loads of packs just uh, just sealed and all that. Once you get the man cave sorted out, I'll be all taking them out. Make sure you've got a decent lock. <laughs> oh, I'll do. Yeah, oh, I've just got a new TV over there, so that's a nice. One. <laughs> yeah, it's a stunning game, and I would recommend it to anybody. Everybody's always saying, "Ooh, it's a bit expensive," but no, it isn't. Not really. You know, no. you can pick it up pretty cheap. The base pack itself will get you through all the game for a start off. Yeah. And you'll be able to unlock quite a lot on the worlds on their own. But yeah, there's so much to offer from that game. Awesome. Number one by... Yep, number one, Lego Dimensions. Yeah, yep. Dimensions. For anybody who's been listening to the show throughout the year, you will know that my biggest regret of the year was probably not holding on to the Switch that I pre-ordered. At the time, just couldn't afford it and just couldn't justify it. Mm. But later in the year, just whenever the old pound coins were starting to go out of circulation, I started collecting them for um, a couple of months and got enough to buy myself a lovely, uh, shiny little new 2DS XL. Part of the reason I wanted to get that was the fact that at the end of September, um, the 
uh, sort of new uh, Monster Hunter game came out on the 3DS. It's Monster Hunter Stories. It's a little bit of a departure from the sort of standard Monster Hunter games in that it's not a sort of a real-time um, sort of monster hunting game. Um, it actually plays a lot more like a, a traditional JRPG mm. um, in that it's all turn-based battles and things like that. It actually came out in Japan back in October 2016 and it's taken nearly a year <laughs> um, for it actually to be um, sort of translated and westernized uh, for a Western release, which is amazing. Um, I was actually just reading on Twitter there today that Japan are, are now getting a version of the game on iPad as well. Um, for a significant uh, sort of price decrease as well. Um, so whether or not that will actually make its way over here or not, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see. Why Monster Hunter Stories is my number one is purely because it is just such an absolute joy to play. It's a reasonably linear story, but there are so many little side quests. And as with all the Monster Hunter games that have been released by Capcom on at least Nintendo devices, there is just a wealth of... Um, additional content that has been released nearly weekly um, since its release, all for free. Um, there's no season passes or anything like that. Wow. There's additional side quests. Uh, there's little sticker packs that you can use whenever you're in an online battle. Um, there's sort of additional little sort of uh, armor packs and things. Um, there's even a Zelda one. Um, so I have my little cat companion running around in a Majora's Mask mask, <laughs> uh, so, which is just fantastic. <laughs> It's just a lovely game to play. And because it's on the 2DS, it means you can just, you know, pull it out whenever you have, um, sort of a little bit of time. As with any sort of Monster Hunter game, a lot of it is sort of running around the environments and what have you and killing monsters to sort of, sort of get the spoils, um, of the battles and things like that. So you're obviously, you're harvesting, um, the monsters and things for certain, um, monster bits. Um, but you're also sort of looking for herbs, a variety of mushrooms and things. So you actually sort of keep your potions and things going to keep you alive in battle and things like that. So even if you've only got maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes or so, you can still run around environment, picking up little bits and pieces here and there. And that all just then adds to your adventure and makes it a little bit easier as you go on. I just love it. Um, I love Monster Hunter games anyway. And um, actually on my Christmas list this year is the 3DS version of Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate. Purely so that I can now sync it with my Wii U copy and actually do a lot more Monster Huntering um, while I'm on the go as well. Fantastic. I just absolutely love it. Um, I know it'll probably not be everybody's taste and what have you. But for me, it's just brilliant. Well, isn't Monster Hunter such a massive thing over in Japan anyway? Oh yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, um, and has been for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, this this is a series that's been around since the um, sort of PS2, even PSP days. Oh, it was huge on the PSP. Wasn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And but for whatever reason, even over in um, sort of over in the West, it hasn't maybe quite reached that um, sort of um, sort of standing and things like that. Then obviously, it jumped from Sony over to Nintendo with uh, Monster Hunter Try on the Wii. Um, and then Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate on the Wii U, and then from there went to Monster Hunter 4, uh, Monster Hunter Generations, um, and will eventually be coming to uh, Monster Hunter XX or Cross Cross um, on the Switch. Um, but now they have sort of splintered it off again a little bit because Monster Hunter World is coming onto the PS4. Um, I think the open beta um, is currently available or was um, available before we recorded now. Mm. 
so yeah, it's it's starting to gain an awful lot of traction. Um, I did see Monster Hunter World being played on the PS4 at EGX. I didn't get to go myself just because the queue was long. Yeah, but the game just looked stunning, given the additional hardware and what have you. Yeah, so that's two consoles you got to buy now. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As um someone who's always wanted to get into Monster Hunter and has tried a couple of times, but um has found uh-huh. it sort of just overwhelming <laughs> the idea yeah. of having a you know slightly more linear slightly more turn-based combat slightly more traditional jrpg style of monster hunter game is just like that ticks all of my boxes mm. so yeah I might. it's very very good in that way because if you're used to the sort of the more traditional jrpgs it's it's a really easy game to get into in that way mm-hmm. and instead of in sort of the traditional monster hunter games you are going out to you know take down a particular monster because there's a particular item that you need um be it like a, a rathalos breastplate or you know a tail segment of another monster or things like that the There's a little bit more simplification um, in Monster Hunter stories in that you're still getting all those different bits, but you're not looking for specific bits. Um, So it'll be maybe 10 pieces of a monster, but each of those different pieces will maybe, you know, constitute, you know, for example, a tail segment could be two pieces towards that 10. Um, Maybe a claw will be just one piece towards that 10. Mm. Um, A breastplate could be the full 10 that you need. Um, but you're not specifically going out to get one of those items um, to make that final bit that you need for a weapon set or an armor set or anything like that. Yeah. It all just sort of gets lumped in together. So you might get lucky and you get all that you need in one fight or it might take maybe a handful of fights. Um, but certainly that makes it an awful lot easier to get into because I know, Mark, you'd played a little bit of Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate and to an extent the Monster Hunter games have always been very bad at sort of doing a decent tutorial and what have you. Oh, God. It's almost impenetrable. Yeah. <laughs> um, to sort of get what you need to do um, for any of the fights and things like that, trying to work out what weapon set is maybe um, suitable for you, what you then need to do um, to sort of you know tackle the monsters and things like that. Even their weaknesses and what have you aren't always told to you. Um, whenever you, before you go into fights and things like that, it's something you have to try and either work out for yourself or start looking up at the FAQs and things online. So Monster Hunter Stories is definitely a really good and easy way into it um, if you have the console. So Stuart being Stuart, he's actually gone through and collated all the results and put it into a Excel spreadsheet <laughs> and done what exactly he always does. He's like living with Professor Yaffle <laughs> day in, day out. And anyway... The LGR Top 10 of 2017 in Ascending Order is... Joint 10th position, we have Resident Evil 7 and Overcooked. Joint 7th place, we have Final Fantasy 15, Mario Plus Rabbids, Kingdom Battle and Monster Hunter Stories. In 6th position, we have Horizon Zero Dawn. In 5th position, we have South Park The Fractured But Whole. In 4th, we have Stardew Valley... Third, we have My Odyssey, which I thought might have been a bit higher, but there you go. In second place, I suppose it should have been higher, but never mind. It's Lego Dimensions. (laughs) 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 And quite predictably, I think this is going to be the same worldwide. Uh, Our first position, it goes to Legend of Zelda. 
Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Hey. Where it rightfully <laughs> belongs. Well, yeah. I mean, good God, I've never known a game where it can get slaughtered to that quickly. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> now you've listened to our list of 2017 and you've heard what we've been playing and what we've liked and what we've disliked. Maybe you've got some sort of inspiration from this list. If not, you might have actually got something that you've really got to be in your bonnet and you want to have a fight with us over. Either way, get in touch with us. Or we're on Twitter. We're all on the Twitter all the time. But get in touch with us at Lapsed Gamer. That's probably the quickest way. If you really want to rant at us, you can rant at us on our email, which is lapsedgamerradio at gmail.com. Just before we finish, I'd like to take a minute or so just to say a massive thank you to all our regular listeners and to any new listeners that we've picked up this year. I'd also like to extend our massive, massive thank you um, to all the guests that we've had on this year, be it from regular listeners who have come on uh, to all the people from the industry that we've had on as guests. To name just a few of them, we have had uh, Stuart Cullen, Connor McCarvey, Colin Sheridan, Nick Jones, Mark Chazzy Ray, Chris Drake, Lee Howard, Andy Palmer, and Matt Holt. And the industry people that we've had on have been Kitty Crawford, Jonas Byerson from Bedtime Digital Games, Ante Antonio from Furry Tail Dragon, Chris Kelly from Enter Yes, Kevin Bamers from Metallic Pig, Laura Dale, journalist from Let's Play Video Games and Now Kotaku, Kenny Young, John Denton, Kevin Jaguar from Dragon Slumber, Peter Willington from Oroch Digital, Tom Andrews, Bradley Smith, Enrico Ercole from Miracle T Studios, Ben Powell, and Charlene Lebrun from Player 2 PR. Many thanks to all of you. Merry Christmas. Bye. So long. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Have a happy Christmas and a mental new year. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Joyous Kwanzaa. So on and so forth. Bye-bye.